Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi guys, and welcome back to another new episode of Unit Therapy Podcast. My name is Kat, and I am the host, and you guys are in for a treat today. I am so excited about this conversation. Before I get into talking about our guest, I do want to say really quick, remember that this podcast is not therapy. It's just a therapist hosting a podcast, and you know what? It might lead to therapy, but it's not. And now that we have that out of the way, we can get back to why I'm excited for you guys to be able to finally hear this conversation. I've been itching to get it out as soon as I had it. And uh, my guest, which I'm so grateful to have had, I'm so grateful to be able to have the conversation, even if that was a private conversation, it wasn't for the podcast. This was one of those where like this challenged and changed my life and I really just loved. And it was a conversation with a freaking badass woman named Nabiha Sayed, who's the president of The Markup, which is a new investigative journalism startup. We talk all about that in the episode. So I'm going to let the conversation we have do the work there. But I want you guys to know before you walk into this, how freaking amazing this human is. One, you're going to get to know this because she's captivating and she's easy to understand and she she has a presence and an energy that you just like want to hang out with her. Side note, like I want to be her friend. <laughs> I wish she lived in Nashville. If you ever come to Nashville, please call me. But she is such an intelligent, accomplished human and also humble because you did not hear her talking about how great she is in the episode. You just heard her being a human, but she has done a lot. She worked at BuzzFeed for a while. She was the vice president and associate general counsel at BuzzFeed and was the company's first newsroom lawyer. She's been described as one of the best emerging free speech lawyers by Forbes. She's worked at leading media law firms, and she has worked on legal access issues at Guantanamo Bay. She's represented asylum seekers in South Texas. She's counseled people on whether to publish hacked materials, spoke about misinformation at the inaugural Obama Foundation Summit. 
she's incredible. And for a lot of all of her work, she's been named 40 Under 40 Rising Star by the New York Law Journal. She was a finalist for the Outstanding Young Lawyer of the Year Award from the International Bar Association in 2017. I mean, she is won award after award and was named one of Forbes 30 under 30. She holds a law degree from Yale Law School and she's just incredible. Like I, I'm not even naming all the <laughs> awards because she has so many. And I just want you guys to know that before we go into this conversation, because she is somebody that I want you to trust what she's, I want you to walk into this being able to really trust her. Now, I don't think you'd even need to know that because her presence is a very just like captivating one, like I said, and I immediately was like trusting her, but she's just freaking cool. She is. And she's like, has a family and as a mom and as a two-year-old and she lives in New York and she's just great. So I'm excited about this conversation. We talk about social media. We talk about tech and how it sometimes is a scary world and how to gain power and agency back. It is a eye-opening conversation. It has changed the way that I am looking at and approaching things in my life. And I just loved having it. And on that, I was having a conversation with a friend today about Instagram and how I feel like sometimes it feels as though everybody is privy to all of our lives, like every part of our lives, because now we have the ability to share all of our life with everybody. And so I just feel like this is a conversation that is is so needed and so special and so important. And it talks about how we can gain power from that feeling back again. And I'm excited to have this conversation so I can go back to it and remind myself. So I bet you guys can tell in the energy in my voice. Like I am so excited to share this with you. So I'm going to stop talking about it and I'm going to let you guys hear my amazing conversation with Nabiha. Thank you for having this with me. You are incredible. And for everybody else, please enjoy. I hope that you are just as captivated and inspired as I am. So here it is. Okay, well, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I am such a hyper fan, so I can't wait. Okay, well, I love that because I'm a hyper fan of you now. <laughs> um, and this is going to be a conversation that I think is going to be different than any one that I've had yet. And I'm going to give you full disclosure. I understand about negative 100% of anything that has to do with like the law <laughs> and a lawyer and that kind of stuff. And recently I had to hire a lawyer for some stuff I should have done a long time ago. And it just is so confusing to me, but I feel like you're the kind of person who can help it make sense. I love breaking things down. So, and I love explaining things and it's honestly, the law is confusing. And especially with anything with free speech or tech or like privacy, it's confusing even for the lawyers. So we're going to do our best and get into it. You've done a lot of impressive things and exciting things that I want to hear about. I want us to full circle come and talk about the markup. But I also know that you did a lot of things before that, including kind of what you were saying and working at BuzzFeed. So I'm very interested in your history, what you were doing in BuzzFeed and all that, and then what brought you full circle. So can you give us like a history of your life? In a a nutshell, history of my life. Um, First things first, I grew up on the internet in a way that I should not have. My parents got these AOL free CD, 30 day CDs. I don't know if anyone else remembers those. You get like these CDs mailed to you. So you could have dial up modem internet through AOL. And I got that in second grade. And so I, and just like totally unsupervised because my parents are like, internet, computer, this is educational. So I grew up loving the internet. Like I was what the kids would now call thick 
but that was not the word we used in the 90s. Um, and I had never seen like bodies like mine, except for on the internet. I'd be like, oh, like here's all kinds of people, all kinds of shapes that I don't see on Self Magazine or Vogue or certainly TV yeah. or like anything in Orange County, California, where I grew up. So I always loved the internet. That's the journey that I'm on now. Uh, so when I, you know, I went to law school, I was so interested yes. in how the internet was changing these expectations of, of what the law prescribed for like newspapers and TV. This is a whole new medium. It, had, yeah. it needed whole new rules. So I went to a law firm, I went to the New York Times. And when the opportunity came to go to BuzzFeed, it felt like someone was saying, welcome, would you like to come to the internet? Do you want to be a lawyer for the internet? And I was like, yes, I do. I've been waiting for this since 1992. So thank you. Oh my God. But what I, what I also just heard you say is when you were introduced to the internet, it was like a really safe, helpful tool. Yeah. I mean, it was a wild, it was definitely a wild, wild west, right? Like early nineties internet through AOL had a whole lot of stuff that I probably shouldn't have seen either, but there was also, it was like message boards. So I used to go to this place called chick click which does not sound as nefarious as the, the phrase may sound now. <laughs> it was a feminist message board that was just like all kinds of wonderful women talking about all kinds of things in their life. Like, hey, my breasts are uneven. One's bigger than the other. Just like all kinds of things that like, yeah, I was that eldest girl in an immigrant household. Like I'd never heard this kind of stuff. And so yeah. or read this kind of stuff, right? Because everyone was yeah. reading at that stage in the internet. You weren't watching. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important important uh, description, you'd see like pictures, people post pictures of themselves. And I'm like, Oh, okay. All right. All right. It's normal to look that way. It's normal to be like this. It's normal to yeah. hear about feminism. And that part was amazing. I guess it was new too. So there was all this like craziness out there. There was a well. ton of craziness, right? So you'd be reading something okay. and all of a sudden be like, Oh, what did I just see? Mm. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I guess I remember when I was younger, all the pop ups that would, oh and they were like, I was like, wait, I didn't want that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You're like, uh oh, do not want that. Click X out, X out. I do not want yeah. this. But it somehow felt felt more organic and kind of unintentional when that pop up would come up. And now, you know, these platforms feel very curated. And then it just kind of felt like turned a corner, saw something weird, turn that corner again, like keep going. Yeah. Okay. So then, so you got to BuzzFeed and you were like, I'm going to be a lawyer for the internet. Exactly. What does that even mean? It meant that I was around to answer any kinds of questions that people had. So people were like, Hey, can I use this music in the background of a video? And I'm like, well, let's think about what Madam Queen Beyonce might have to say about that. The answer is no, she does not want you to use her songs in your video. <laughs> But also really interesting things like when we had reporters who wanted to dig into allegations of sexual harassment happening at schools, right? And they're like, I want to, and this is before Me Too. So you have these super yeah. talented reporters like Jess Testa, Katie Baker, who like before the sort of Me Too movement in the press were like, how do we report on what girls in schools are saying about their teachers and their principals, knowing that if we get the story wrong, the school's going to sue us. How do we appropriately reach out to these students and like, you know, give them a microphone for their truth while also understanding the complications here. And so I got to advise on those kinds of stories too, which was really meaningful for me. And, you know, hard hitting national security stories, like publishing all kinds of things about politics. Mm -hmm. But I was the, my job was to be the one that made sure people didn't get in trouble for speaking truth in the way they wanted to. 
Which is really cool. And also like, that's kind of scary too. Yeah. I thought it was a lot of fun. I mean, it's really fun when you work with reporters who you trust and you know where their heart is and you know where their head is, right? So if they want to make sure that the right people stories are getting to the internet, it's an honor to be able to help. Yeah. So there's this one part of, of the internet and all of the things that have been given to us and offered and been able to be created for the good like it's an easier way to access information I talk about this all the time even with like TikTok and like Instagram and how that's changed I'm so grateful and like podcasts like I'm so grateful that there is a way for people to get information that otherwise would never have that where we can be more educated and we can learn more and it can connect us but then there's also this space where it's like wait a second, is this a conspiracy theory? Who's brainwashing us? Is this information true? Why should I believe this person? Anybody can say anything. Why am I getting this ad? Okay, now I bought this thing that I got this ad 17 times. Like, did I even want that? What do I like? What should bodies look like? It's so much. much. And so I don't even know the right question to ask, but how are you sitting in the internet is good, internet is scary. Does that even make sense? It makes a ton of sense. And it's the trickiest (laughs) because here's how I think of the internet, especially these days. You know, like every science fiction series, um, there's always that episode where someone can start listening to everyone else's internal monologue and they start hearing all these things in their mind and they're like, oh no, I'm hearing everyone else's thoughts. That is literally what the internet is. You are hearing everyone's thoughts. And the only way to manage that is to build defenses and structure around it, right? To say, okay, so let me tell you my TikTok rule. My TikTok rule is I can only watch TikTok at the end of any hour for leftover time until the top of that hour. So if we were to finish at 11.57, I have three minutes and I can just be on TikTok because you got to control your time. Otherwise, these platforms are designed for you to give them all of your attention and all of your time right? So you need time structure. I also think you have to remind yourself often that a lot of what you see isn't real and you have to remind yourself that constantly. And that's really tricky because you want to relate and connect to people. That's what's beautiful about it. But it's kind of like your friends, right? You have people you run into, you have your acquaintances, you have your friends and you have your besties. That's a structure that we have in our real life you got to bring that to social. Not everybody is your bestie, no matter how much they say they might be. You got to understand who's like, you're yeah. you're the D team. Like, I'm not going to trust everything yeah. you say. <laughs> you're around. Sometimes you're funny. I'm not going to like hang my life on what you have to say. And just like you do that in real life, you have to do that here too. What What do you think? Because I think that's hard for people to, to actually put into action. It's like, I know that not everything I see on Instagram is real. I know that there are filters. I know that. Yet I still get tricked. This is not even a professional question, but in your own just personal opinion, why do you think it's hard for people to remember that? I think it all boils down to, to, to proximity and relatability. And here's what I mean by that. Magazines existed for decades and decades. We all saw yeah. images of people who were something to attain, right? I would look at Tyra Banks and be like, I don't look like Tyra Banks. Fun fact, no one looks like Tyra Banks. So that was like very <laughs> easy to be, to be like, oh, you're over there. But these are devices we hold in our hand all the time. It's not up on a billboard or on a TV. It's the same device you use to text your mom or your best friend. It's the same device you use to send messages to people you care about. It's so intimate. The proximity makes it really get into your mind. 
And the other thing is the relatability, right? When I didn't look like Tyra Banks, it was okay. I was like, I don't go to school with Tyra Banks. I don't really see her at the grocery store. But what you see for so many influencers on Instagram and TikTok is their entire brand is based off relatability, right? Like here I am looking beautiful at the grocery Mm -hmm. store. And that gets into your brain, Mm -hmm. right? Where you're like, am I supposed to look great at the grocery store? Like I found a Band-Aid in my own hair when I was at the grocery store yesterday. (laughs) So like that's, that's where I'm coming from. And so it's like that sort of relatability of seeing this kind of um, appearance situated in otherwise very normal looking things. And that just gets in, it'll just get in you. Mm -hmm. And I think you have, I'm really ruthless about unfollowing. If I'm like, oh, I had a bad feeling when I looked at this, even if it's a little feeling of envy, a little flicker of jealousy, I'm just like, unfollow, get out of this. I also, a uh, a Saudi fashion blogger that I follow who is amazing, her name is Alal Bahri, she's like at Allah. She did this really interesting experiment over the summer where she unfollowed everybody on Instagram. She has hundreds of thousands of followers. She just went down to zero because she wanted to see what it was like to create in a space where she didn't feel like she was getting inputs from other people. She did it for a month, but she said it was like a palate cleanser. And so I think you got to be super in tune with where you are and then know that you might need those retreat moments, whether it's quitting the app. I find that hard or that kind of like just palate cleanser. Like you got to do what you need. Well, I find it hard too to quit because that brings in this like black and whiteness. And for a lot of people, like there is so much good that can come from this and and so much education and so much connection and so and creativity and fun that when we are like, oh, I'll just I'll just quit for six months. Okay, but why? Because then when you add it again, what's going to be different? Exactly. And that's what I so I'm not I, I can't quit. It's it just that's not how I work. So I'm all about putting in structure around like, what are the times of day where I know like, this mm-hmm. is like fun for me, right? Who are mm-hmm. the people that I find really generative and enriching yeah. of which there are a lot? And who are the people that sometimes I see this? And I'm like, I just feel bad. Like I just I, I just feel <laughs> bad when I see this. Right. Um, and for like, yeah. for me, it was and this, you know, just personal, like, for people who are really into documenting their weight loss journey all the time and like what they're eating and stuff, I'll just be like, you know what? Good for you. I wish you well for what you want to do. I am not going to be on this like national geographic, like voyeuristic endeavor for you. I'm out. Like I'm out. I'll unfollow. I'll follow you back later, but not right now. I can't. Yeah. That doesn't feel good for me to watch that. No, it doesn't. And I, again, I, I don't want to police or judge what anyone wants to do with their body, but I don't need to have a front row seat to this. I'm glad you want to share. I don't need to be here for it. Thank you for saying that because I think a lot of times when you unfollow somebody, I feel like we're getting off topic, but I don't even care. When you unfollow somebody, it's like, you know, people have like apps that Mm -hmm. they can see like who unfollowed them, which I think that is so unhealthy. But again, do what you need to do. It's like, oh, that is like a attack on me. Like they hate me or they don't like me or how could they unfollow me? But that doesn't mean that you, what you just said is, I'm not saying she's doing anything wrong or bad. Do what you need to do to be the person you want to be. I don't want to watch it because it doesn't feel good to me. It's boundaries. Period. Exactly. Period. And and that's just boundaries. And I feel like what I'm really intrigued by is as we come to these realizations that tech is like, "Mm," can be good, can also be really bad for people's Mm self-esteem. I am seeing from a lot of uh, entrepreneurs and innovators I know, uh, attempts 
at solving this through providing more uh, opportunities for structure. So what does that mean? I was just talking to this person who was like, wouldn't it be cool if I could create a plugin into Instagram and you could just decide that I don't want to see anything that's like hashtag weight loss journey, hashtag shredded for summer, hashtag whatever. And some people (laughs) I follow, it would just like, it it just block those out for me, right? I'm not there. And that way it sort of speaks to what you're saying. It's like, I'm not unfollowing you. I'm just saying, I'm not here for that hashtag right now. Like I can't be. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I have a friend who unfortunately like went through a miscarriage and she just was like, I can't see everyone's baby announcements right now. Like I just, I'm not there. I wish there was something that she could just be like, yep, not just not right now. Just not right now for me. I want to be on the platform, but just not that. But I think there are people who are dabbling in the in those kinds of solutions. And I'm excited for that. Yes, I want that. I want that now. Right? Because it does feel like, I, how do I set up my boundaries? I can set up my boundaries of who I follow, who I mute, how much I'm on it. But sometimes it's just like the pop-up mm-hmm. back in 1992. <laughs> it's like, I didn't want to see yeah. that. You're like, I'm not here for this. I didn't want to see um, that. And I think, but this is what I think is so good about surfacing these harms, right? About having these news articles of having people talk about this openly. Because once we identify what the harms are and how people are honestly feeling, we can design around that. And for some people, look, depending on the platform, it might be, yeah, maybe this shouldn't exist. But I think there might be a layer below that, right? That's like, how do we make these platforms responsive and designed for people so they can set their boundaries in a healthy way? Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery, but that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily, as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian Mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I didn't say this when we started, but my best friend connected us, Tori. Tori. Cool. And she's been on the show before. She's freaking amazing. She's awesome. 
She's like you. She does 700 things. And I'm like, how are you doing that? I texted her the other day. I'm like, I can't even make my bed. And you're planning a birthday party, a christening. You work a full-time job. You teach at SoulCycle. You're freaking smart. People, how do you do all of this? She is amazing though. She, I mean, she's like next level amazing human. She really is. So anyway, when she was talking to me, I was like, oh, this makes me think about that documentary that came out. I guess it was last year, The Social Dilemma. Mm -hmm. I didn't watch the whole thing, full disclosure, because I was like, this is information overload and now I'm scared. But what I remember from the beginning of it is it was a bunch of people who helped with the start of these big, I think it was like Twitter and like Google and stuff like mm-hmm. that, that were then coming and be like, oh, we didn't mean to create this. This is not what we meant to create. And so I want to kind of talk about that a little bit. And then I want you to tell us about what the markup is and what what that is doing. Because what I saw with me and my own clients, what I was working with too, when that came out, everybody was like, I can't be on the internet anymore. And I was like, well, we have to. So what do we do? And how can we like help ourselves the boundaries and all that over over there. But kind of what I was talking about in the beginning too, it's like, I find myself buying things that I'm like, I didn't want this. Why is it in my home now? Yeah. So I don't know what the question is, but can you tell, <laughs> can we talk about that? <laughs> well, first, I think I think we're in a really exciting and interesting moment, right? Because these conversations are happening, and what these conversations mean is, okay, does it have to be this way, right? Does it have to be this way? Is this inevitable? Is this the future we're in? And I think if enough of us are like, no. I don't want this. I don't want to be persuaded into mindlessly buying things or feeling bad about myself because of something I saw or questioning whether anything is real because all of the information is out there. If we don't want it to be this way, first things first, we have to understand how we got here. And that goes back to the first part of your question, right? Of like all of these people built these systems, they built Google, they built Twitter, they built Facebook. I don't think this is where they wanted us to be. They made a ton of money getting here, but I don't think that was the dream at the outset. So we have to understand like what happened, right? How did we get from this sort of like fun, wild internet to this place that feels like a digital prison for our minds and our behavior? Like what happened? And so there's a lot of interesting, I think, things to say in this space. One artist that I love, didn't think a lawyer would talk about art, but I do love art. And I think art's important in this time. There's this artist, his name is Ben Grosser, and he has this exhibit up called Software for Less. And in it, he redesigns all of these platforms to be optimized for less, not more. So imagine, so these platforms like Instagram, they want you to post all the time, right? The algorithm is hungry. you got to feed it constantly. What would it look like if actually you signed up for Instagram and it just gave you a hundred posts for your whole life? and said, you got a hundred, choose wisely. What do you want to share? Like, think about how the incentive for growth was built into this platform from day one. And that may create a whole set of incentives and patterns and structures on the app. But if you had designed that day one differently, scarcity and not growth, how would that feel different? How would people approach things? And I love that because a lot of times the scarcity mindset leads us down. We talk about like, dating or taking jobs or this or that sometimes it's not great but with this it's like wait that would be helpful I wouldn't be worried about every day I have to post five things so people see my stuff it's like I don't want to post this because it's not that important right 
And I think I, it's because I share the same perspective on scarcity mindset. It often leads to dysfunction. But the one thing that is truly scarce in this world is actually time. Like you can't get more, you can't get anything. It is actually the scarce thing. What could it look like if we designed for the future and said, let's design differently? Right. And that's actually the exercise we're in at the moment. It's thinking about what the design should be because what we have isn't working. And that's where the innovation around okay, if we want more boundaries and structure, how do we design for control? How do we add those layers on it? How do we grow up, right? Because what we're seeing is like the internet is an adolescent. It's young and we're growing up and figuring out what boundaries we need. And I think that is what's really fun about this time. Wait, can we do that? It feels like we're going backwards, but can we be like Instagram? We're changing. Like, how do we do that? So I think that's that's what's so fun about this moment, right? Because it might not be Instagram. It might be that Instagram decides, eh, we want to stay the way we are. Sorry, take it or leave it. And then there's enough, there are so many people working in this space who are like, okay, first of all, you may get sued by the Federal Trade Commission, Instagram for a variety of your privacy practices. And like, there's all this legislation and other government movement to break up these platforms. So maybe that if they decide to stay the way they are, they're not allowed to. It may also be that enough people want other competitors that people are like, I don't want to be on a platform that's like this. I want to be on this different kind of place. And that we see that movement happen too. Because remember, MySpace was a big deal not that long ago, right? Everyone was on MySpace. And now nobody used that's it. where everyone was. Yeah. And now we're like, who, what, what is MySpace? Yeah. Right. So movement is, but we got to remember that too. We do have agency. We do have control and quitting one platform doesn't mean quitting the internet or social. It means that we might evolve to something else. Okay. That is something that I think we need to remember going back to my example of like, why do I have this shirt in my closet? I don't like it. And I bought it. I'm like, I just want this ad to go away almost. Or like, I guess I need this, but I do have agency and control. And that platform sometimes makes me feel like I don't. Mm -hmm. So rather than Instagram's changing, if we all start because we a lot of us are feeling this way, and something else is created, we have the power to say, I don't want to use this platform anymore. There's something that fits my needs. better. I have power. Yeah. And I think that is the thing for people to remember. And these platforms don't want to remind you that they have power, right? That's not in their incentive. They don't want you to feel like empowered or that you have agency. But that is the reality of this moment and that we've done this before people left myspace and they went to facebook and people went left facebook and they went to twitter and they went to twitter and they went to instagram and they're leaving instagram they're going to tiktok and it'll be something else we haven't heard about like this happens people do it and also like the smartphone is just over what 10 years old 10 15 years old like this isn't gravity Okay. Like this isn't a law of physics. This stuff is choices Mm -hmm. and they're hard. So I want to just be very honest about the fact that it's hard, but we, we can do hard things, right? It's hard, but we can do hard things. We can, we can. And also I just have a question that I don't know if you can fully answer with all of the stuff on those platforms, specifically Instagram and Facebook, what's the legality, if that's even the right word, like for them to gather all our information and then like spam us? Like that feels wrong. Yes. And so this is, I think, an area where I call it regulatory imagination. Like legislators and regulators are imagining what they can do in this space in a way that they were not 10 years ago, right? Because everyone's like, what can we do? And so for many of these platforms, 
they're looking at, well, what is the data you're collecting from children? Is that allowed? Do we allow you to collect this much information from kids? Do we let kids say, um, hi, sorry, Facebook, I turned 18, but get rid of everything that you had about me from before, which is actually a law in California, right? You're able, yeah. Mm. And so like states are experimenting with this. Europe is experimenting with this. It, so to answer your question, like what's the legality here? We get to make it and everyone is trying, right? So in in Europe, there's um, something called the GDPR, which is a data protection regulation. And they're implementing all kinds of ideas of, hey, what does content moderation look like here? Should a human being be the one who's deciding to take something down? So Facebook can't just say, oops, sorry, plus-sized woman, I took your picture down by accident because the algorithm did it, right? How do we impose this kind of structure on what these platforms are doing. This is all happening in real time now, and everyone's trying different things. But there's a lot of rules around privacy and the collection of data to target you. That targeting information, the like, hey, Catherine, I think you're going to like this pair of like wide leg pants. Like you're going to like it. I'm going to just push it to you a thousand times a day. There is a lot of legislative scrutiny of do we want to allow that? Should Catherine be able to opt out? Should she be able to say, yeah. no, I don't want you to have, I don't want you to set, target me with clothes. I don't want you to target, yeah. I, I want you to get rid of all the data you collected about me for this. I want you to only be able to use data that you got from this app, not buying it on the open market to target me as a profile, you know, as a profile. All of that's happening now. Which feels good. When I was making one of my websites, I was working with a business consultant and I have a newsletter. Well, I had a newsletter. Sign up for it. I'm going to get it back back and running soon. But we were creating like the pop-up for it and whatever and then opt out. What he And he, I don't remember the language because it's over my head, but I just remember him being so serious about, well, they need to be able to opt out mm -hmm. or you can't just take their stuff or you can't. And I was like, why? Other people do it to me. Like, I just wanted to know why mm -hmm. I'm a why person. And I'm like, I get emails all the time and I've never signed up for this email subscription. I've unchecked the box when I've checked out at let's say like, I don't know, like Lululemon. I actually checked the box for that. I want those emails. But like, there's plenty of things that I'm like, I bought something from here one time. I know I didn't check that box. Why am I getting four emails a day? That seems like it should be illegal. Yeah. And it is. And so I think the question, uh, okay. <laughs> and, and the question is, because there's all of this sale happening of your data, but the, those opt-outs are real for a reason. And when people do, don't comply, right? Which happens that they're like, oh, sorry, we're going to keep emailing you. They can and do get in trouble by state regulators and federal regulators. The problem is often the fines haven't been that much money and it's like jaywalking, right? You're like, eh, like what are the chances I'm gonna get in trouble this time? But the more attention yeah. we put to it, the more the public is like, hey, I don't like this and I'm gonna report you. The more room you're giving these regulators to be like, you know what? Yeah, last time we fined you $500 and you, company X, you didn't care because $500 to you, like, okay, you sell, you know, five pairs of Lululemon leggings and there we are. Like, that's fine. It's worth yeah. it. Let's raise the fine amount. Let's stop paying attention to lobbyists who are saying, no, 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 it'll self-correct. It, enough time has passed. You didn't fix it on your own. And that's really like, I want people to be so empowered by the moment that we're in because there were all of these beliefs that people had before of it'll fix itself eventually, people are still figuring it out, there aren't that many bad actors, that now we're like, no, you had enough time. 
we're changing it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, then can we now talk about the markup then? Totally. Okay. Tell us what that is and why you created it and all the so things. So the markup is a new media organization that is looking at a very simple question. How is technology reshaping our world? And that means like the big tech that we've been talking about, Amazon, Google, whatever, but also the tech you haven't heard of, right? So tech mm-hmm. technology like universities using these things called student risk algorithms to determine who they think is at high risk of failing out of a particular subject. Surprise, the algorithm will say things like, women and black people usually aren't in STEM, so they're at a high risk of failing out. I mean, really, like the algorithms are making these sort of stupid, I'll call them stupid. I was gonna say that doesn't make no, sense. It doesn't make any sense. Here's okay. why. They, the algorithms are making very stupid interpretations of historical data saying, well, we haven't seen women and people of color in science, technology, engineering, and math. So we think that they're rare. So we think they're at a high risk of failing out. Now, you and I as human beings can be like, yeah, no, that's wrong a billion different ways, right? Like there's a million reasons why the representative data of the past is not actually indicative or instructive for the future. But again, like a lot of these algorithms are stupid, right? Like they're trained on the data they have and they make inferences that are not full and robust and Sometimes they're nonsensical. So this is an example of actually reporting that we did earlier this year. We identified one of these algorithms that had this kind of output. We published the story and we told 400 different colleges and universities that were using this algorithm, hey, you might want to take a look at this thing that you've signed up for. And I want to give major props to Texas A&M University that day was like, done. Mm. We're not using this algorithm. Thank you for telling us. We did not know that this was the conclusion that yeah. it was spitting it out. Because if you're you're like sitting at the school, you're just getting reports from this algorithm, okay? You don't know all of the ways that yeah. it's flawed. You trust it. And so that's what we're doing. We are here to say, hey, there's a lot going on behind the scenes for big tech and this this other tech you don't know about. And it has real impact on people's lives, on their schooling, on Mm -hmm. their education, on their mortgages, on their businesses. And we're going to tell you what that is so you can make better choices. And that's what we do. Which is so cool because is anybody else doing that? You're like trying to, you're just trying to help people. Yeah, we're just, we, we call it service journalism, right? It's journalism as a service. We're trying to help you. And one thing that our team does, and like our team is just full of rock star journalists, data scientists, technologists, engineers, like they're amazing. They'll build these tools. Like one tool that I love is called Blacklight. Anyone can use it. It's the markup.org slash Blacklight. You can put in your favorite websites. So put in girlscouts.org. It will show you all of the data that's being collected about you when you go to girlscouts.org. So talking about the data collection that we just mentioned earlier in the conversation, there's a lot of places you go on the internet and you don't think that data is going to be collected about you, like you're just visiting a website. So we built this tool to help people understand in real time for the sites you go to, what are they taking about you? And we did a big investigation using this tool. And we found things like when you go to an abortion provider website, the data they're collecting on you. Now, I bet you, if you go to an abortion provider website, uh, that's not a moment in which you think someone's collecting data about you. And we know that data could be extremely sensitive health-wise. I mean, now criminality-wise, if you're sitting in Texas, like collecting this data has consequences. And we want people to know what's happening and where. Wait a second. That... I feel fear right now because I'm like, no, in the sense that like, if I go to this right now, well, can I test this out while we're talking? Okay. So 
themarkup.org slash blacklight. I go to there and then I type in a website. Just enter a website. Okay. What's a website that I I don't even know? Well, let's just go to Lululemon. Oh, that's a fun one. Now I'm curious about Lululemon. Lemon. I haven't tried that one. And honestly, I should have. I also like their leggings. (laughs) I know. I'm like, please. Okay. So I just type in. So you'll see it's testing for ad trackers, third-party cookies, tracking the evades cookie blockers. So you may think I have a cookie blocker. I'm fine. No, no. There's tracking that evades that. Session monitoring scripts, keystroke capturing, Facebook and Google. Analytics. Is this website sending data about your Facebook? Yep. Wait a second. Wait. Okay. Here's a question I have. I log in through Facebook and so many mm-hmm. things because it's just easier. Mm-hmm. What is that doing? Is that it's bad? It's giving Facebook all of the information they have agreed to gather from that website about you. So let's say you use Facebook to log into like a calendar app that you love. Everything from that calendar app is now also going to Facebook. And this is one reason Facebook has so much data because every time you put on a Facebook little, a tracking pixel, you know, like, like me on Facebook, right? If you put that on your website, they put a pixel on that site and they collect information from all of your people that come to your website. Stop it. I know. Also, I don't, mine's still loading. Is yours still loading? Mine's still loading. It's probably because it's too much stuff. Oh man. I hope hope not. When it is done, we'll just pop. It says it's currently testing. So we'll just, we'll just wait. Yeah, we can just wait for it. Uh, but it'll tell you like six ad trackers, this many cookies, this many this. It'll tell you all this stuff. And if you scroll down, you can also see the articles that we wrote. Like, so a, one notable one is the high privacy cost of a free website. So we get into, you know, these websites look free, but what's actually happening? Like a WordPress, like, or square.com, like those yeah, free things? but anything, right? Like you go to a website, you're like, I'm just checking you out. However there may be this invisible trade that happens of your data and we just want you to know about it. And you'll see, I mean, our approach is very much like, I'm not trying to give you no solution. So another thing you'll see on our website is at the bottom of the Blacklight page, I scanned websites I visit with Blacklight and it's horrifying. Now what? We always want to give you a now what? I don't want you to be sitting there on your, sitting on your hands, terrified, trying to throw your computer out the window, right? We want to give you things you can do about it. So our advice is you might want to switch browsers. You might want to add some privacy extensions. We give you some examples of them in the site. So we just want to give you what you need to be able to take control of your life. You're not saying don't ever go to this website again. You're like, okay, now you know, you know, you have awareness. Here are things you can do to protect yourself. I just think scaring people and not giving them a pathway forward leads to that sort of binary black and white thinking that you mentioned earlier. It's Mm -hmm. like, it's like, well, now, you know, so if you care about it, you're going to opt out. And that's not real life. Real life doesn't mean you can opt out. And by the way, in real life, if you were driving on the road and there was a pothole and you drove on the pothole and you got a busted tire, imagine if people were like, that's what you get for driving. Okay. You shouldn't be driving on the road that it would be insane. We would look at that person and be like, you are bananagrams. Don't, that's not a real, that's not a real solution. We would say there's a pothole. I'm calling the city government. I'm letting them know about the pothole. And I want to make sure that pothole is filled. That is what I want us to move to this sort of civic understanding and responsibility of the internet as a utility. We're all using it. Okay. So we want it to be better. We're not saying stop driving on the road. We're saying fix the road. 
Right. Because we can't not drive. We can't not drive. I mean, we can, but like, but what's the, there's a, what's the consequence of not exactly. driving? So what's the consequence of never being able to go on the internet again? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just, it's not realistic. And then if, if that's the mm-hmm. advice that you give people, they're not going to take it. And so they're just going to either ignore the issue or feel bad all the time that something is being done to them and they can't stop it. And that's, that's not the society that I think we live in. Like I, I believe that people have agency. And so one of our amazing engineers has this phrase called agency, not apathy. We want people to feel agency, not apathy about what's going on. And that's the heart of the markup. I like this idea because I had this feeling of like, I'm going to see all this stuff that these websites are taking from me. But that fear, it can be a motivator in the sense that I, I, I'm scared because I care about what people are doing and what's happening. And so rather than I'm, I'm feeling fear, I'm just going to hide. I'm going to never drive again. I'm going to whatever. I'm never going to go on the internet again. It's I feel fear. I care about this. Therefore, I'm going to do something differently. And you're saying here are the tools and here's what you can mm-hmm. do, which thank you for doing that. You're welcome. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery. But that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So Blacklight's one of the tools. There's three that I saw. Can we talk about the other Yeah, ones? of course. So we have okay. Blacklight. We have a tool called Split Screen. So, you know, we all kind of intuitively know that our neighbors might not be seeing the same thing on Facebook that we do, right? Like I have my portfolio of things that I read that I'm targeted with news-wise on Facebook. And I know mm-hmm. that other folks that I know, they're getting news from very different sources. Mm-hmm. So we have this tool called Split Screen that is a almost real time tool to see like 
what are women seeing on Facebook? What are men seeing on Facebook? What are boomers seeing on Facebook? What are millennials seeing on Facebook? And the way we're able to do that is that we actually built a representative statistical panel across the country and said, hey folks, use this tool that we made called Citizen Browser. We're not gonna collect any of your private information, but we wanna know what news articles are being pushed to you by Facebook because that's interesting to us. Ooh. Yeah, we want to know just how different are people's news universes after something like the January 6th incident, right? So like what are Trump voters seeing in terms of the news that's been pushed to them and what are Biden voters seeing, right? And so we built this to answer those questions. We kind of all intuitively knew, right? Like, oh yeah, you're seeing different stuff than me, but we wanted to know the answer with data, right? We wanted to know it with science because we think if you know with certainty, then you can fix it in reality. But if you just operate with these stereotypes, right? Like it's not, you can't move the ball. And all I want to do is move the ball to a better future. So you, anyone can check out the markup split screen and just kind of see like what's going on. Well, and that is fascinating too, because I'm a big believer in, again, this goes with everything we're saying, but like you start to believe what you see. So if I'm this demographic and I'm getting all this, and let's say my grandfather is obviously a different demographic, no wonder we might have different views and we have different information when we're talking about something that's happening in the world because we're both getting different information and probably an influx of like not even information. I 100% agree. What you see creates your reality. So we have yeah. to understand what are these platforms yeah. doing to create that different reality and then be able to call them on it, right? To be like, hey, mm -hmm. you said like an article that we wrote at the markup was, hey, Facebook, you said that you weren't going to push election related information, uh, election news right before the election, right? You, like Mark Zuckerberg said, we're not going to recommend these political groups is what he said. And we're like, okay. But we were collecting data with our split screen, our citizen yeah. browser panel. And we were able to see that in fact, you were pushing these Facebook groups to yeah. people right around the election and continuing afterwards. Like you said that you weren't going you to, weren't. but you did. So what are we going to do about that? Yeah. And that's the difference of like, okay, anybody can say anything, but we're showing you guys what's really happening. Exactly. I appreciate that. Okay. I have my black light thing came up. I did Athleta instead okay, of great. Lululemon. I don't know why. I, so, and you have Lululemon on your no, computer? No, I just closed it out. I have New York oh, Times oh, now. Well, mm. That's fine. Um, which oh. has a lot. A, a lot. <laughs> so you can help explain this to me. It says one ad tracker found on the site. This is less than half of the average of seven that we found on popular sites. What is that? So mean? it'll tell you, um, if you click on it, it can give you a little bit more explanation, I think. But um, we see that on average, there are seven on different websites that are around the world or around, around oh. the internet. And so Athleta on that front is doing better than the average. And that's like a good yes. thing to know to be like, all right, thank you friends. Okay. And then when you click into it, it'll give you an explanation of like, well, what's an ad tracker, right? Because again, like I don't want to assume that anyone knows anything about the internet because we all have full lives. Okay. People have expertise in different things. It's not your fault that you don't know what a cookie is or an ad tracker or something. It's not anyone's fault. Our job is to be like, oh, okay, well, you want to know? Here you go. Yeah, I appreciate that because I have no idea. Okay, and it says third-party cookies, 14 third-party cookies were found. This is more than average of three that we found on this site. Okay, 
What does that mean? So a third-party cookie is something that tracks you around as you follow the internet. So like, let's say you go to one website. If there's a cookie on that website, it can see not only like, what are you, where are you scrolling? What are you clicking through? What kind of leggings did you linger on? What, what did you put into your basket? It can do that for that website and potentially, depending on the cookie, it can also follow you to other places that you go even when you leave athleta.com. Okay, so they're not doing good there. This website loads trackers on your computer that are designed to evade third-party cookie blockers. Sneaky. Yeah, I don't like that. Well, that's all it found. So that, I mean, I guess that's generally not horrible. So you said New York Times is pretty scary. Yeah, New York Times wasn't the greatest, although I've, (laughs) but you know, but, but like, here's the thing. So they have, third-party cookies. Remember that third-party cookies can actually be good. And this is where the explanations matter. So let's say you put something in your basket at Athleta and then you like click away for a second and you come back and it remembers how stuff is in your basket. Okay. Well, like cookies are important for that, but that might not be a third-party cookie. So you want to, what we want to do with Blacklight is that we want to give you the opportunity to say like, okay, you have 24 cookies. What are these cookies, right? Like, let's dig into this. So when I put in Athleta, it went to athleta.gap.com. And it tells me that the cookies are Twitter. Okay, all that means is they have like a little Twitter thing on their their site. So you could click Twitter and then go straight to their Twitter. That seems fine. New Relic, mm, who's that? Bintelect, who's that? Monotype Imaging, okay. Microsoft, oh, I know them. Maybe it's related to a service they're using. Verizon, okay. Ipon web. And then you like, look at all these names and you're like, wait, who are these people? Let me Google them. And so what we want to give you is like, look, we can't tell you everything you need to know, but we can tell you where you can keep going. So maybe you should go Google bid Intellect Inc and see what they do. You might decide that they're okay. You might be like, I actually, they're fine. I don't care if they or Verizon or Warner media have my information. That seems all right. But we want you to make that decision with agency. Which is probably part of that article that you were talking about. It's like it tells you what to do with the information. Okay. So that's just interesting. I'm like going to play with that all day now, I feel. (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) What's the best way for people to go and get all this information? Because I know that I'm very interested in in it and want to learn more. And I'm assuming people hearing this are going to be too. So we have a newsletter called Klaxon that you can sign up for. And Klaxon will just send you a little newsletter, like just a little message. Every time we have a new article, we publish twice a week. So it's not, again, it's not like a ton to keep up with. We want to make sure it's a manageable amount so you can actually wrap your mind around it. And we also have a series called Ask the Markup. So if you're like, um, this thing is happening on the internet, I've seen it. I've always wondered, what is, you know, what's the deal here? Um, you can send in those kinds of questions to us too. We had a question where someone was like, hey, what's going on with Venmo? And like, everyone can see my interact, my transactions, just like explain Venmo to yeah. me. And that's an article that we did. We did one about Klarna and Afterpay and like anything that you see. I was reading the Afterpay one, I think. Yeah. I was reading that and earlier And so when today. people, like we, we're here for people's questions know it's yeah. complicated and so we want to put the tools in your hands to make better choices let us know how we can help i'm interested in the venmo one because why is there a social feed on venmo you can turn it off <laughs> it makes no sense oh, it's you, so i didn't know you could yeah, you can turn it off you, you can, can turn, turn it off. off you can go oh. into your privacy settings yeah but there you go so that's the thing you can do now go into your privacy settings you can turn it off so people don't see things but like you just snoop on everyone's life if they haven't turned it off or you're like oh okay 
And why do I need to know that? And you know what? That makes me think of like, gosh, like dating. And you know, I'm a therapist, so I hear a lot about people's dating lives. And and I'm a human, so I talk to people and hear about (laughs) their dating lives. And I have one too. But like the amount of people that are like, I saw so and so pay so and so on Venmo, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like. We have enough ways to stalk people. We don't need to know who's paying who for tacos. Exactly. And then you, because I hear it from my friends all the time, like so-and-so had the little champagne emoji with another person. What's that about? And it's like, you know, it's probably nothing. And actually we don't need to live in a surveillance state where we're watching every single thing, what every other person does. Just, yeah, we don't do that. We don't need to do that. Well, I've loved talking to you. This was so much fun. This was great. I feel like I'm going to have about 500 questions for you after I dig into all this stuff. Yes, that's what I love. I really am so grateful for all of this because I knew this was going to be a different kind of episode. But the amount of time I spend talking about the media, social media, just all the stuff with people in therapy and just like in my life, like we need people like you who are like helping us keep all of this, but in a way that is helpful to us. What I've gotten out of this conversation is like, we don't need to like kill the internet. We just need to remember why we have it, what we want it to actually do for us. And how do we put our efforts into that direction? That's absolutely right. That's and that honestly, like that's a good should be our new mission statement. But that's what it is. It's like preserve the good, get rid and fix the bad. And we are in a really special opportunity space right now to do that. So let's do it. Let's freaking do it. I've been getting in my head the past probably a couple months of being like, I hate TikTok. I hate this. But like, I don't hate it. But like, I feel like I have to hate it because of the little bits of things that it doesn't help. And now I feel like refreshed of like, I don't have to hate this stuff. I just have to remember why can it be good? And how do I put my attention to that? Thank you. Also, we can talk at another time about how much I love TikTok and how much parenting advice I get from TikTok. We'll see how that turns out in 18 years. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the thing. Like we should, we need to talk about that another time because I love it too. And I love it because it helps me like, you know, things that aren't so serious. I can laugh at things and it's funny and it's an easy way to access that. It helps people be creative and it gives, there's so much good to it, but I also see so much misinformation that I'm like, stop saying that. And how many clients send me TikToks and are like, is this true? Why have you never told me that? And I'm like, cause it's not true. Right. right. <laughs> like, I've never said that it's not true. Also people sending me TikToks that I'm like, I don't think that's information that I want you to have right now. Like it's information that I would give you in a session yep. where we could process and all there's so much to it. I talk about I it all the time, but it can be used for good. There's, there's, I mean, I, there, I feel like there's a whole other hour on like the difference between expertise, knowledge, and information. The internet gives us information, but not expertise and not real knowledge because knowledge is structured, right? Know this at this time and then this and then this. That's it. Yeah. But we, we can talk about that another time. Okay. I can't wait. Yeah. Then that last part, I'm like, okay, that's what I needed that in words. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Talk soon. Bye. Bye. I used to have so many men. 
how this beguiling woman in her 50s she looked like a million bucks scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes nearly 10 million dollars was all gone it's just unbelievable hide your money in your old rich men because <laughs> she is on the prowl listen to queen of the con season five the athlete whisperer on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.